Uh, again this morning to Galatians, the third chapter, Galatians chapter 3, and we look at a couple of verses there. Um, for those of you who are uh, guests with us this morning, welcome. Um, we study in what we call series here uh, at Heritage. Um, I've kind of said it this way, I only have one sermon, it's just been going on for 20-something years now. Um, it's the idea is that we just we keep building on the things that we're learning. That's how we grow. And so, uh, by the way, our children are going to be dismissed to Children's Church. I should have made that announcement as well. If those of you kids like to go, Miss Pam's got some good things back there for you uh, this morning. So, um, when I say you know to a group where I know there's some folks here for the first time, you know, let's go back to Galatians. I don't want you to feel left out, okay? Because we're going to just jump right in. The Holy Spirit's our teacher, and He'll help us receive from this this morning um, what it is that we need to uh, receive from him. Amen? You in faith with me about that? All right. Galatians chapter 3, and let's begin at verse number 7. It says, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. One translation says are the genuine, are the true sons of Abraham. Now, this was groundbreaking information. Um, as a matter of fact, it, it um, made a lot of folks very angry uh, because Paul is trying to distinguish the difference between someone who is a, a, a physical or we could say a biological descendant of Abraham, meaning they were born um, uh, in the, you know, Jewish by birth. Um, but yet, what Paul is pointing out here is that the true or the genuine sons of Abraham are, are sons of faith. Only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So this means whether you're a Jewish man or a woman or a non-Jewish man or a woman, um, you can be a son of Abraham, but again, uh, you have to believe on Jesus, right, is, is the point that he's making here. So let's keep going. Therefore, one more time, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all nations shall be blessed. Now, if you underline or highlight things in your Bible, I want you to... Uh, underline, highlight, or at least pay very close attention to some very important words here. The first one we see in verse 8 is the word justify. That he would justify the Gentiles by faith. So now we see justify or justification by faith. Now, let's talk about this word justify for a moment. Um, it shares the same Greek root word as the word we find in the scriptures, translated righteous or righteousness. And so to be justified means to be made righteous. Justified, simply defined, is just as if I'd never sinned. Father's grace to you and me and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross is so that Father could um, treat you and me like our sin never happened. Not just that it happened and we were forgiven, but like it never happened, okay? This is justification. 
And notice the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Let's talk for a moment uh, that word Gentiles there. Obviously, Gentiles in Scripture are used to refer to any nation or race of people that were not Israeli, that were not Jewish. Um, the King James Version translates the word Gentiles heathen. Heathen. The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen by faith. Now, I'm offering to you this morning that um, while the word can be translated that way, the word translated heathen in the King James, Gentiles, New King James is what I have on the screen in front of you this morning. This word simply means ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S, and simply defined, it means nations or races, okay? So the idea that is, again, most importantly, what we want from this today is what is God trying to say to us? What, what does this really mean? And it's not just that, that God was wanting to justify the Gentiles by faith, but he was wanting to justify the Jewish men and women by faith as well. So in other words, the plan of God is for all peoples, all nations, all ethnicities, all ethnos, amen, to be justified by faith, both Jew and non-Jew alike. Amen? So he preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. In you all the nations shall be blessed. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Now, if you're new to our study, we see that the Bible has a lot to say about blessing. And, and in particular, not just blessing, you know, generally speaking, but the blessing. And the blessing, when you put T-H-E in front of blessing, it's to denote something very specific instead of something general. And so when he says the blessing, he's referring to the empowerment, the enablement, the enhancement, if you will, that Father God placed upon His servant Abraham. Amen. Are you still with me? He placed that supernatural enablement, empowerment, enhancement upon Abraham. And this caused Abraham to, uh, to uh, be protected. Uh, it caused Abraham to experience provision and receive provision in his life. It uh, again enabled Abraham to be promoted and to prosper. Praise God. And, and again, far above all others, far above what would be considered normal provision, normal prosperity, normal protection. He experienced divine protection, divine provision, divine promotion, and divine prosperity. This is the blessing. And this is the blessing that Father God wants upon you and your family. He doesn't just want Abraham and Abraham's family to be blessed. He wants you and your family to be blessed. He, he our Heavenly Father, loves and, and enjoys blessing His children. Now, what we're 
working on, and, and it's, it's some work, amen, it's, it's taken some time to build these things and connect these things together, but what we're working on is looking in Scripture to see this knitting together, this joining together of two very important subjects, and, and those, two, those two important subjects are the subject of righteousness or justification, and the blessing. And notice in, in this passage, Galatians 3, 7, 8, and 9, we see both being justified and being blessed mentioned here in connection with one another. So while it's important for you and me to understand what the blessing is, important for you and me to understand that if we've been born again, Jesus became a curse for you and me, so the Bible says that we could be, have the blessing of Abraham in our lives. Jesus became a curse for us so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon non-biological descendants of Abraham. Meaning, you don't have to have been born naturally a Jew to have the blessing of Abraham upon you because, again, it's those who are affected who are blessed with faithful Abraham. Amen. Now that's good news right there. So what then, and this is the question that we need to ask ourselves, what then does justification, what does being justified, first of all, what does it mean, but what does it have to do with being blessed? Amen. And what we're seeing in Scripture is that only those who are justified by God are qualified to have fellowship with God and qualified to be blessed by Him. Amen. Now, this is really, really important because, you know, a lot of times we see folks are, are really interested in their lives and their families being blessed, but not so much interested in what is required in order for them to be qualified to be blessed. Let me, um, let me kind of step back for a moment. Let's take a breath. One of, the, one of the biggest problems that we deal with today in the body of Christ is this idea of being unworthy. This idea of, of, of not deserving or being worthy of any good thing in our lives. I'm convinced it's this feeling of and this mindset of unworthiness that causes people to have more confidence in the curse that's loose on planet earth than the blessing that's been made available to them as sons and daughters of God. We see ourselves deserving or worthy of being punished or being cursed or some bad thing happening in our lives, but we don't see ourselves being worthy of the blessing of the Lord upon our lives. And the reason we have that mindset, and that is such a struggle, I would never, please hear me, I'm not trying to embarrass you. Matter of fact, let me go ahead and say, do not raise your hand. But if I was to ask you, and if you were to be honest, there would be a large portion of people in this room this morning, you just, based on mistakes you've made in the past and things that you've done, you do not feel like you are worthy to be blessed by God. 
And so we have a tendency then, listen to me, we have a tendency then to resist the blessing of the Lord and welcome the curse. And the mindset goes something like this, well, I had that coming. I had that coming. See, if you are more aware of the sin that you once were than the righteousness that you've now become, it's going to throw off, it's going to skew what you believe you have coming. If you are more aware, sin consciousness means aware of your sin. If you are more aware of your sin than you are of your righteousness, that's going to translate into you not expecting good things in your life, but expecting negative things in your life. And when the good things come, we talk about how lucky we are, and when the bad things come, we talk about how we deserved it. It's because we don't understand what we have coming as blood-bought sons and daughters of the Most High God. The Bible says there was a time that all we had to look forward to was judgment, was a fearful looking forward to judgment. But my friend, Jesus has been judged for us. We made our bed and He chose to lay in our bed for us so that we don't have to lay in the bed that we made for ourselves. He became our sin who knew no sin so that we might become His righteousness. He became a curse for us so that we could become blessed. Not based upon what we've done to earn or deserve it, but based upon what He did to earn and deserve it for us and then He gave it to us freely. Now, let me try to give you some idea of how big this subject is. In the New King James Version of the Bible alone, we find blessing, bless, blessed, E-D, these words, we see them used 524 times. Your Bible speaks of the blessing. And the same New King James Bible speaks of righteous or righteousness, 546 times. 546 times we find righteous mentioned in the Word of God, both Old Testament and New Testament. 524 times we find bless or blessing. So I'm showing you that this morning. And by the way, I didn't count them all. The computer did that for me, okay? So don't be impressed. Just amen. But what I'm wanting you to see, what I'm wanting you to see, I felt led, I felt led the Holy Spirit to do this. I was praying about this this morning, and I said, you know, I, you know look and see how many times it's talked about. And so I present it to you this morning for two reasons. Number one, I want you to see the prevalence. I want you to see how frequently, how often these things are talked about in the Scripture. 524 times God talks about blessing and being blessed. 546 times He talks about righteousness and being righteous. I want you to see the prevalence, but I also want you to see the balance. Because not only do we see the Bible talk about blessing in certain places and righteousness in certain places, we also see several scriptures where those two subjects are talked about in the same verse because they are connected to one another. Now, let me just, let me just talk to you for a moment. We'll look at some of the verses and, and, and I'll show you this in scripture. But let me just, I'm, I'm, I'm more interested in you seeing the big picture Okay? 
and, 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 and I'm, I'm praying that some light bulbs are going are to go off inside of your heart and mind and you make some connections with some things this morning. When we look at, let's just say righteousness for an example. When we look at, at righteousness in the Old Testament, we see righteousness put forth as something that we earn by something that we do. In the Old Testament, we find righteousness in that context. You, you earn righteousness by your works, by your obedience, by, by your strict adherence to the commands of God. So again, in the, in the Old Testament, we see that righteousness is something that is earned by doing, but also we see that those who were righteous in the Old Testament were blessed. That righteousness was a requirement in the Old Testament in order for the blessing of, of God, the blessing that God put on Abraham, that same blessing to be upon an individual in the Old Testament, they had to be right with God, amen? And the way they were right with God was by something that they earned, by something that they did. Are you seeing this? All right? Now, when we shift over into the New Testament, we see a completely different context for righteousness. In the New Testament, righteousness is not something that you earn by something that you do, but it's something that you receive by something you believe. Okay? This is really, really important. It's not, it's not based upon uh, doing. It's based upon receiving, right? By believing. And again, um, let, me, let me change that word receiving. It's to this word becoming. It's something you become, right? You become righteousness. You are made righteous, not based upon something you do, but something you receive because of something you believe. Oh, sweet Jesus. Let's, let's do this. Praise God. Go with me. Um, let, let me just show you a few of these verses, but there's one I want in particular... I want to uh, point out, and I'll put them up, up on the screen. Psalm number 5, verse 11. It says this, 11 and 12. But let those rejoice who put their trust in you. Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. That word defend could also mean protect them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. Right? You, O oh Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. Amen. Amen. I don't, I don't do you this way often. Maybe I should do you this way more often, okay? I want to get you to confess something with me this morning. Will you confess something with me this morning? Say this after me. I believe that I am protected from the coronavirus because the blessing of Abraham is upon me and my family. One more time. I believe I am protected from the coronavirus because me and my family have received the blessing of Abraham. Amen. All right. Amen. 
We're not, listen, karma's not going to cut it. Karma's not going to cut it. I'm not here to scare anybody, but I, I am here to warn you. Listen to me, please. Jesus told us in the last of the last days we would see pestilences. We would see these things. We, we thank, thank you, Father, for leaders in our country, and I pray that you're praying for our leaders. I don't know if the, if, if the, if the Lord spoke to our president, if wisdom spoke to him, if somebody in his cabinet spoke to him, but in January, when this thing first started emerging, he said, unless you're a U.S. citizen, you can't enter this country from China. And of course, his critics went bananas. Here he goes again, racist, prejudice, hate, 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 right? The experts say now that if he had not done that, coronavirus would be killing thousands of people in this country. Pray for your leaders. The Bible says pray for your leaders so that it'll be well with you because leaders make decisions that affect us. Amen? Amen? But listen, we, this whole idea that because we're trying hard to be a good person that this somehow protects us. No, no, no. That's, it's faith. It's believing that we are. Confessing that we are. Amen? So he says again... Let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. That word literally means protect them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you, for you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you will surround him as with a shield. All right? So I think we got this. You'll bless the righteous. Well, what about the unrighteous? See, the unrighteous, again, they don't qualify. They don't qualify for this. How about Psalm 106 and 3? Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Blessed are those who keep justice and he who does righteousness, who does. Notice, it's giving us the context of righteousness as something that we do. He who does righteousness eight times out of ten. Is that what it says? He who does righteousness most of the time. Is that what it says? No, see, that's the problem with righteousness by obedience to the law. It's an all or nothing proposition. You either obey every command, and if you break one, you break them all. You don't get partial credit. How about Proverbs 10 and 6? Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. I got another one for you. Ready? The righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. Amen. This is speaking to us, moms and dads, right? For us to walk in integrity and the integrity of a father will translate to blessing for a son or a daughter. All right? I'm skipping over some. Maybe we'll come back and look at some of these other ones tonight. This is the one that I want you to look at. Psalm 24 and 5. Listen to this. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but David operated in all three 
of the Old Testament offices. In the Old Testament, we see God established three offices. He established the office of the priest, the office of the prophet, and the office of king. And we see that, that those who would be selected by God to function in those offices would receive an empowerment, uh, an anointing, if you will, upon them from heaven to be able to function in that office. A priest is someone who speaks to God on behalf of people. A prophet speaks to people on behalf of God. So notice they're flipped. Priest goes before God for others. Prophet goes before those others on behalf of God. Speaks to others on God's behalf versus speaks to God on others' behalf. Priest, prophet, and then a king also speaks, but he makes decrees and they're established. Jesus is referred to as the son of David because David was an Old Testament uh, type and shadow of what Jesus would be because in the same way that, that David operated as king, priest, and prophet, Jesus came and the Spirit was given to him without measure and he also operated as king, priest, and prophet. And now as members of the body of Christ, you are a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Amen. Let me just stop right there. I could spend the rest of the day talking about that. So David, for instance, prophesied about Jesus' crucifixion generations before crucifixion was ever invented as a method of execution. In other words, the Psalms include prophetic utterances. Meaning what? Meaning talking about things that are going to happen. And so here tucked away in Psalm 24 verse 5, again pointing to something that will one day come is that not only will men receive blessing from the Lord, but they will also receive righteousness from Him. Something that would not be earned, but something that will be a gift given. Okay? Now, let me show it to you. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. For if by one man's offense, this is speaking of Adam, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So notice now he's talking about righteousness not based upon something you earn because of something you did, but righteousness, right standing with God before God in the eyes of God, just as if I'd never sinned, one who stands before God as one who's never sinned, right? That this is not something that's to be earned, but it's something that we receive. It's not something you do, but it's something you actually become. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, this is speaking of the, the sin of Adam that affected us all, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. All right, let me give you another verse. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. This is speaking of Father God. Father God made Jesus 
He is speaking of Father God. Him is speaking of Jesus. For Father God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. It's not about doing, it's about becoming. In the Old Testament, righteousness was a state of doing. In the New Testament, righteousness is a state of being. So as we begin to recognize and our minds become renewed to the righteousness that we have become, notice now we understand that we're qualified. All right, I'm winding this down because we've got communion and all that. Just Can you stay with me just a couple of minutes? Okay. I... I caution you early, and, and I'm, not, I'm not speaking out of both sides of my mouth. Hear the spirit of what I'm telling you this, this morning. Not, don't judge me on the letter. Hear the spirit, okay? I, I caution you all the time about entitlement and this, this idea of demanding what you deserve. Because in one sense, none of us want what we deserve. But in another sense, all of us want what we deserve. You say, well, Pastor Mark, which which way is it, right? What's, what, is the, what is the key difference in what I'm telling you? The attitude of a man or a woman's heart. See, if it's pride and arrogance that has this attitude, that's not fair. God's not fair. You know, I want, I want my way. I want what I deserve, a sense of entitlement. Amen. My friend, that's, that's pride. It's arrogance. It's a stench in the nostrils of God, and it'll cause God to resist you like rubber resists electricity. But... On the other side of that coin, if we recognize that I was once a sinner, I was once a heathen, I was once without God, and I was separated from Him without any hope of ever being reunited together with Him, much less being right standing with Him, but Jesus came to not only seeking to save that which was lost, but He came to find me. He hunted me down so that He could bless me. He died in my place. He took the blame and the punishment for every sin that I've ever committed or ever will commit. He nailed it to His cross. He became a curse for me because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He hung on that tree for me. He laid in my bed for me. He took my punishment for me. He went to hell for me. He died for me so that I could live, so that I could go free, so that I could become the righteous of God in Christ Jesus I don't deserve it based upon what I've done but I do deserve it based upon what he's done let me say it another way he made me worthy I didn't make myself worthy I'm not by any means trying to pull a Paul on you here but I was in church nine months before I was born I, mean, I was raised in church. I mean, I used to carry a Bible to school. I'm not talking about one put in your pocket. I'm talking about a big one. Right? 
None of that qualifies me to be blessed by God. I mean, if we took a vacation in the summer when we was going to church, when we were kids, we'd find a church to go to if it fell on a Sunday. But that's not what makes me worthy to be blessed. Are you seeing this? None of that. I pastor a church. So? Right? It's not based. I'm not righteous because I'm a pastor. I'm not righteous because I, I've been in church my whole life. Not up to this point. None, none of that, see? That's not what gives me the right, the privilege, and the benefit. It's not something I've done. It's something I've become because of who I believe in. Amen. Singers and musicians, would you please come this morning? Thank you, Jesus. When we started this morning, we talked a little bit about those feelings of being unworthy, where we expect negative things and almost say, well, I had that coming. Amen. We, we have got to repent. And repent means a new way of thinking. It's the idea is, and I know sometimes people get this confused. It's not a 360, it's a 180. So it's like if, if, if you're headed south and you do a 180, you're no longer headed south, you're headed north. You head the opposite direction. If you're headed south and you do a 360, you're still headed south. You're just dizzy now because you spun all the way around. Okay. All right. So we, we, have, we have got to, to experience some mind renewal. If you've been born again, you are already blessed with the blessing of Abraham's already upon you. But see... We have to resist the curse by faith. We have to receive the blessing by faith. And so many people are still caught up in this Old Testament approach to this thing that righteousness is based upon something you do and therefore something you earn as opposed to something we become based upon something we receive because of what we believe. Amen. So... I'm going to make a bold statement. Are you ready? Everybody see me? Can you see this big old guy up here? Amen. You're looking at somebody who is just as righteous as Jesus this morning. Amen. Not because I did anything to be that, become that or make myself that, right? He did all the heavy lifting and then gave me an abundance of grace and a gift of righteousness. And this is, I struggle with that for, for a lot of years. And if I guess, if I would be honest with you, I still struggle with it. But this is, this is how the Holy Spirit's helped me come to terms with these things. I, I want him to get his money's worth. Amen. That's good. He paid a really high price to put me in this position. And it does not glorify him at all for me to still walk around and talk about how unworthy I am and how sorry I am and I'm just an old sinner slave by grace. No, no see, I, mm -mm. it glorifies him when I believe I'm righteous and talk about the righteousness that I've been given. Amen. And it frees my mind. It sets my mind free. 
to expect good things coming in my life. I'm blessed with Abraham because of faith in Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask that the men who are serving communion, if you would come forward, please, brothers. Amen. As you come, I know you mean no disrespect. You come and I'm going to pray, but keep walking. Don't stop walking because I'm praying. Father, thank you for every person in this room this morning. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of those who are present with us today and those who are watching and listening online. I thank you, Father, that you're speaking to hearts. Thank you, Father, that you're challenging some of the wrong mindsets and attitudes and even false beliefs that we have about what qualifies a man for blessing and what disqualifies him for it. So I thank you, Father, today for helping us. With everyone's head bowed and everyone's eyes closed, just real quick, I've talked a lot this morning about receiving this abundance of grace and gift of righteousness. It's what you receive when you accept Jesus as your Savior. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Mark, I've never received Jesus as my Savior, but I would like to do that this morning. Could you just lift your hand real fast? Just real quick, just slip it up real quick. Never been born again, never received the gift of salvation. Today's your day. Anybody? Okay. Amen. Amen. And so, Father, we thank you that every person in this room is a member of the body of Christ, a citizen of your kingdom, and how we're going to celebrate your body that was broken and your blood that was shed that has given us this tremendous position of righteousness that has made us righteous this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. They're going to begin to serve you.